This podcast contains a few instances of adult language. Viewer discretion is advised. Hey, hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. I'm Ginger Gadsden, along with Matt Austin, and we now know who's president. No, we don't. No, actually, <laughs> we don't. Uh, we don't. <laughs> we do know it's not Florida's fault. Okay, Correct. Can we clear that up for once. Correct. In a millennia, nobody's waiting on Florida. Nevada's looking like the new Florida right now. <laughs> People are actually saying, "How in the world did Florida get it right?" And the answer is. 2000. Yeah, because we got it wrong. <laughs> we we learned. never wanted to be that guy yeah. again. All it takes is one time to to screw something up like that, and then you just never do it again. So thank goodness we're not the the laughing stock or whatever they normally call us. We didn't do something very like Florida man or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But we you know are. It's kind of it's kind of like uh, it reminded me of Shaquille O'Neal. Like you know how he has this glaring weakness; he cannot shoot a foul shot. Florida oh, yeah. has this glaring weakness in voting. <laughs> And it's like Shaquille O'Neal shot 25 for 25 the other night. The whole nation saw it and it's like, what is going on? How is Shaq all of a sudden shooting free throws? It's bizarro world. It's bizarro world. But we are recording this at a time where we still are kind of in limbo uh, with the Electoral College. But, you know, we know the results of a lot of things that happened in Florida. And in Florida, we had six amendments on the ballot. One was so important, and we didn't even get a whole lot of time to talk about it because of everything else that's happening in the world. But the one we're talking about is raising the minimum wage. And a person who has been at the forefront of this and pushing this thing forward is attorney John Morgan. And he's kind enough to join us today to talk about the success of that. And it, I, it's one of those things where if John Morgan gets behind it, you know it's going to really have some momentum. John, thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. How are you feeling uh, about, I can, you can call it a success. How are you feeling about that? I feel great. I've, you know, it's, it's a heavy lift because it's, we have to pass it with 60% of the vote, not 50%. So that you guys are in the news business, you know, 60% is a landslide in all elections. So we won by a landslide. And Even though so, we only won by one point, so. But you know, a, a win's a win. It, you know, That's however, right. yeah, we'll take it. I didn't see what any you, candidates winning by sixty-one percent. No. That <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And you know, at when you look at it on the surface, saying that you're going to pay people a living wage, like I think right now the minimum wage in Florida is something like eight fifty-six, I think, and so it's going to take it up to fifteen dollars by twenty twenty-six. And so many people are pissed about it. What is the downside that people are talking about, John? Why are so many people angry about it? Well, the people who are really the angriest about it are the, uh, the Chamber of Commerce and the people who would, would like to have no minimum wage. I mean, people say that, you know, this, the minimum wage is too high and you wonder what is a fair wage in their minds. So the usual suspects, we're against it, the Chamber of Commerce, the Restaurant Association, uh, Hospitality, where the, where the hardest workers are paid the least, those employers are the ones most pissed because 
they were able to get away with paying these people what they would take because uh, they may have not had the education or skills that they needed, but but you can't make it on $8 and 56 cents an hour. Nobody can, nobody will. Yeah. I think we can all agree on that. John, I'm curious as to your role in this, because I know you were playing a big role. It wasn't quite as uh, I didn't see you as much as we saw you when it came to getting the pot amendment passed. You were out there. I still see hashtag pot daddy on Twitter uh, floating out there. Sometimes you weren't really the face of the minimum wage, even though you've been talking about it a lot. And I think you probably had to do with some of the funding with this. Tell us your role sort of behind the scenes and in front of the scenes when it comes to getting Amendment 2 passed. Well, I spent, I, it was all my money to get it on the ballot and to collect the signatures. Uh, I've spent between six and $7 million. Wow. And I always, when I think about that, it's like after tax dollars. And, uh, and then I had some help with SEIU and the Southern Poverty, some people and some individuals that, that helped. But there was two things. One, uh, there was no way for me to go around like I did with mm -hmm. Amendment 2 the last time because of the pandemic. I didn't even come back. I, I live in Hawaii a lot of the year, and I didn't even come back from Maui uh, until May of this year because of the pandemic. It was better to quarantine out there than to quarantine here. And the other thing was, um, it was kind of like, if they're not gonna fight hard, then I don't know if I need to fight hard. With the medical marijuana, I had a lot of opposition, a lot of money coming at me. And so I had to kind of get out there and get as much free media. But the, the people who were really most opposed to me never put their money where their mouth was. And so I just kind of made a decision to sit back and wait and do interviews and debate some Zoom debates, but I didn't want to get into a, a big war with big employee, employers. So I kind of uh, had a more of a stealthy type strategy this time, not to, not to poke the bear. Sure, sure. Okay, so I, I guess my question to you is, and I, people are gonna think this is totally a softball question, but I really am curious, you're rich. Right. Because you just talked about being in Maui. You could be Oprah's neighbor. You're you're talking us to us now and you're looking at you have an ocean view and we know you from so many other things. Why do you care so much about this minimum wage issue? Because you can live your life and it'll never impact you. At all. Well, the, the reason that I did it is because I am now, you know, well off. But once upon a time, I was not well off. I was the opposite of well off. I was, I was in a family where we really struggled, where our parents were alcoholics, our mother left, we lost homes, we lost cars. We lived that life where you lived on the edge and where you sometimes felt hopeless and helpless and powerless and those are terrible feelings. And as bad luck as I had there, then I had some good luck later, but even my bad luck has been worthwhile to me because you still remember. 
you can still taste desperation and hopeless and helpless. And then when you do, I look at life like this. I believe that 99% of everything that's happened to me is luck. Now, some people, oh, no, you're, you know, but yes, luck. If I went left, I went left instead of right, everything changes. And I always kind of had a mind for business, had a paper out when I was little. And so I feel like I had that genetic seed. And so when you realize that you've been lucky, as opposed to everybody else, I believe that you have an obligation to give back. The things that I like are food, water, shelter, medicine, dignity. That's why I wrote all those big checks for the, at the Morgan Morgan Hunger Relief Center at Second Harvest, was because that touched my heart because I could see myself as one of those little boys or girls driving down to get free food. And so with this, I thought, you know, the food bank and those types of things are great, but what if we could do this and what if we could win and what would happen? Well, what would happen would be 1.5 people lifted out of poverty, poverty immediately. And then 2.5 million households getting a big raise. And then they can afford their food and their medicine and shelter and clothing. And so I looked at it and I go, yeah, it's a risk, but if I win, what a payoff. Mm. And that's why I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a payoff it is. Um, But so uh, so it it is, it's going to impact a lot of people, but the main knock is folks are worried it's going to impact businesses. You're also a businessman. You employ a lot of people. So people are probably going to be watching this and asking, well, John Morgan, do you have people on minimum wage who work for you? Absolutely. And not just, not $10, $15. Look, when I started this, I looked at myself first and said, you know, what, what should I do? If I'm going to put all my money up here, I better put my money up there. And I went through it and I said, what happens at Morgan and Morgan? We have almost 4,000 employees. What happens if I raise the minimum wage, the starting wage to everybody to $15 an hour? And I looked at it and it was like $6 million a year extra for, for me to pay. And then I looked at that and then I looked at the, my coworkers who would benefit. I go, I got to do it. I will tell you this, Matt, when we did it, I wasn't there because we're, we have offices all over the country, but when my HR went in and talked to the people, especially the people who were going to get the, the big raise, the reaction was tears, crying, hugging, laughing. It's it's life changing. We don't we we can't understand it if you've never felt it. But to move from eight dollars and fifty six cents to fifteen dollars, or from ten to fifteen dollars, for that person, it's a life changing event. And so I I had to do that. Now I have some businesses that I'm in where I'm either a minority partner or an equal partner. And I, you know, some of those, I own hotels. 
I own restaurants. I own attractions. And some of the businesses I'm in, I've been able to do what I want, what, what I want, but some I'm in with partners who disagree with me. And so, but now it doesn't matter because it's going to happen organically. <laughs> How is that when your partners disagree with you? One of my partners was very pissed off about this. Uh, he, he, he lives up in uh, uh, Panama City Beach and he called me up and he says, all of my friends have found out that you're my partner. And I don't think I'm gonna be able to get served in a restaurant for the rest of my lives. I said, well, tell them to go themselves. You don't need to. <laughs> You don't need to worry about it. We don't have them. a five-second delay. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hit the beeper. Hit the beeper. No. Yeah. We know what happens when John Morgan comes on this show. Right. Don't you worry. Right. We're prepared. I thought, I thought it was a podcast. Uh, it, it is. is. It is. You're fine. You're fine. We're, we're just conditioned. I always think every time I'm talking to somebody, I just think I'm on the air on TV. So I forget. You're good. You're good. But right. it, we, right. we appreciate your honesty. So, you know, that's just the reality of it. Some people, everybody's not going to like everything you do. And they really don't. The businessmen in the panhandle are really opposed to this. Yeah. So you know. my, my partner, my partner up there, he's a lovely guy. Thank the world of him. We are as op opposed politically as two people could be. And um, but I, I hope I hope his wife's a good cook because he says that <laughs> he can't get served in restaurants anymore. So yeah, and that's, it, yeah. you know, and, and to his point, you know, we posted the story on Facebook once it happened and, you know, people are, they chime in and someone wrote the question then becomes, how will that impact businesses and the prices of the goods sold? And that really is one of the big issues and why some business people aren't very happy with it. Well, let me, since we're doing this from Orlando, let me put it in proper perspective for you. They want to scare us and tell us that hamburger, we're going to buy a hamburger and it's going to cost 50 cents more. Uh, well, look, I'll pay 50 cents more. But the truth is the price has been going up like crazy forever and ever. In 1980, a ticket to Walt Disney World cost $7.50. The minimum wage was $3.25. Today, a ticket to Disney is between $125 and $150. Mm -hmm. And you pay for parking and you pay for a $10 Coke that tastes like, uh, doesn't taste like Coke. And, <laughs> hey, you just filtered that out. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. <laughs> I'm being sensitive. And, <laughs> and so, um, and the minimum wage now is $8.56. So 30 years, the price of Disney's tickets had gone like this. The minimum wage went like this. And by the way, there was no minimum, there was no hike in the minimum wage all that time. And the ticket prices went crazy and people still paid it and people still went and stock went crazy. And the chairman of Walt Disney World, who did not start the company is now a billionaire. And the former president of Disney, Michael Eisner, 
is now a billionaire and he didn't start the company. And as you all know, cause you're reporters, there's people working in the theme parks, living in their cars, living in shelters, living in hotels right here in Orlando, Florida. That folks doesn't work. It, it is not sustainable. And it's the reason income inequality is the reason for this anger and this divide in this country whether it's the Bernie bros or the Trump voters, they're poor, they're getting poorer, and they're scared to death. Yeah, and that doesn't lead to good places historically. No. Uh, that's for sure. Now, last time you were on our podcast, we asked you about, uh, you were, well, there's a couple funny changes. Uh, you were a big proponent of a guy named Andrew Gillum for governor. Oh, uh, oh that, I told that, you that not to bring that up, Matt. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but also, we asked you why you wouldn't become governor or run for office. And you said, I think I can do more the way I am now. Plenty of politicians have come and said, I want to raise the minimum wage. Plenty of politicians have come and said, let's make uh, marijuana legal for medicinal use, and they haven't been able to do it. Are you more powerful in this setting than you would be, say, if you did make it to the governor's office? I don't think powerful, but I think more effective. Um, my son, Matt, I got a Matt too, probably about your age. and. He was, you know, he, he told me, he said, Daddy, only only clowns run for political office. That was his take to me. And he, that was seconded by all my children. But he said recently, he said, you know, Daddy, what, what you've done, you, you could not have done this even as governor. You couldn't have gotten this passed. You couldn't have gotten all this done. And, and, and what we've been able to do is we've been able to pass the medical marijuana law, We've been able to pass the uh, living wage law. We were very helpful to Desmond Mead in his restoring felons rights, and we're still working on that with him every day. We started a bail fund here in Orlando. What we're doing is uh, when people get arrested, a lot of people just sit in jail because they don't have bail money. And what my family has done is we've set up a bail fund to bail out nonviolent people who are sitting in jail for weeks and months because they don't have money. And, and so I think that I don't think I have power, but I think I have been more effective. And if I'd been governor for two terms and I left and I came out and those were the things that we'd accomplished, I'd be patting myself on the back. Yeah, that's so. that's pretty incredible. I also remember you saying something about how the governor's mansion's not very. Uh, it's probably not as nice as your place in Maui, I would assume. <laughs> um, so. I, I've been in the governor's mansion. It's it's, uh, it's iffy. Yeah, we'll just we'll just call it a dump and leave it there. Um, so okay, so you're three for three. It sounds like right now. What is the next thing? that you have your attention turned to that you say, okay, you know what, this needs to change. I don't really have anything. And, and by the way, the, the Florida legislature really hates what I've done and special interests hate what I've done. And they've made a law now for collecting signatures three times, four times as hard as it was before. So to do one of these again, 
you would have to have three or four times the money. You might have noticed that one of the ballot initiatives this time was they wanted to have a, a, a situation where to put something on the ballot, it had to pass twice. twice. Yeah. Which I'm makes like, no sense. Yeah, we're going to have people voted for that. Fifty-three percent of the people in Florida voted for this. I'm like, are you kidding me? I want to vote like, twice. Yeah, we. You know, it's like if you're going to win the World Series, you got to win the World Series twice. You win the World Series, and then we play it again. And if you lose either one, the other team's the worst. Is the way. I mean, it, it just shows you. You know, when, when Phil Levine, my friend from Miami, when they passed a $15 an hour minimum wage in Miami Beach, the state sued them so they didn't have the authority, they didn't have the jurisdiction. It was wiped out. I mean, they, wow. they, they went after Miami Beach. So there's really nothing that I can think of right now that, 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 that moves me, that I would go out and spend money uh, to do. I can't really think of anything. And so I think what I'll do is as charities and causes come to me, um, the things that I like, the things I've talked about, I, I like the boys and girls club and the work that Gary Kane does. I, this year I've pumped a lot of money into back into second harvest because, you know, the need has been so great. And so, uh, I think what I'll do is just try to find causes, charities that, that, that move me at that moment. John, you made some news. It was interesting. You came out when all that unemployment disaster was happening in the state of mm -hmm. Florida. And I saw you post a video where you said, I will use my resources and I will sue this company and get all the money back for the state of Florida. We were talking 70, $80 million. And you said you would do it for free. And we all were like, really? What? That's, that's a lot of money. And that's a very interesting prospect. A lot of people were mad at that company. Whatever happened with that? Did they ever get to the governor's office, ever talk to you? What, where is that? <laughs> that? That was Deloitte was the company. It was $90 million. Oh. And they actually got more government work mm -hmm. after that after that fact i mean look if if you were a private citizen and this company had provided you this and you came to me and said look john it doesn't work i would have taken that case and we would have won 10 times out of 10 times but what you got to realize is deloitte and people like deloitte have lobbyists that they pay a lot of money to and those lobbyists donate a lot of money to the senators and governor and state representative and the fix is in they don't run the the state like it was their own money mm -hmm. if you had if if you had a, a a computer that didn't work that you bought brand new you would take it back. If they wouldn't give your money back, you'd sue them. We said the computer doesn't work. It's 90 million. We're gonna give them another 30 million to, to, to fix it. <laughs> yeah. To fix the new to, to fix the new computer. Yeah. And you're like, hmm. and this is why most of these politicians, with the exception of very few, uh don't do anything in business, don't do really anything in life. They're, they are professional politicians and they don't have a sense for business. And the only thing they have a sense for is campaign contributions for the next election. 
Yeah, if you gave me and more money, why, and that's I'd why, throw up. and that's why we, had, oh, I was gonna say, and that's why we had to go to the uh, constitutional amendment on these two things because we know they weren't going to do it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying I, it sounds like a bargain. If you if you pay me more money to fix my original screw up and then I mean, where does it end? Because then if the fix doesn't work, it's like, oh, well, this and then this next time we'll fix it. But that's going to cost you more money. It's just like this endless cycle. And you just keep throwing money into this pit and you get no return. Yeah. And here's the great thing. It's not their money. <laughs> you know, it's not their money. Listen. If one of these state legislators or the governor, if the governor had a thousand dollars in his billfold and he went into his room at the governor's mansion and he looked and the thousand dollars was gone, he'd have the FBI up there. He'd be fingerprinting. He'd be dusting. They'd be pulling cameras down. They'd be like, "Who? What? What? What made? What servants took?" My money, they would be people be strapped into polygraphs. The the, 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 the maid at the the maid at the mansion would be sitting there. No, I didn't take it. Not the maid. You know, <laughs> always blame the maid. You know, I mean you start with the maid, always blame the maid. Don't blame the wife. But <laughs> but he would have his day would have been ruined if he lost a thousand dollars. And by the way, they would have found out who took it and they would have gotten it back and they would have prosecuted and the person would be in jail and a lesson to the rest of the staff in the governor's mansion. But if you take $90 million of the taxpayer's money, you give them another 30 million to fix it because the problem is not yours. And because Deloitte is a gigantic CPA firm that floods all of us with campaign money. And that's the perversion of politics. So, so nobody ever reached out to you to take you up on your offer, John? Never. Can you imagine if I said to you, I'm going to give you free legal for life. All you got to do is come over and meet me and you like, okay, what do I got to lose? I got a free, I got free legal for life. You do it. Yeah. Instant. We, we, were th we talked about that as soon as it happened. Cause we're like, well, his phone's got to be ringing off the hook. But now when you explain it that way, I'm like, Oh, now one, call are you sure you didn't miss some calls? Did you check your voice messages? Listen, they all know how to get in touch with me. <laughs> they didn't like seeing it because it made, I shined a light on something that they didn't want to light shined on. And so the best way to avoid a spotlight is just to step out and be quiet. And that's what they all did. Nobody took me up on it. The, the politicians do know your number very well because they want to call you whenever they need some campaign uh, financing, uh, yeah. which I know you are. <laughs> so that you're probably at the top of their speed dial. And one of the people who uh, certainly rang that bell was a guy named Andrew Gillum. So I have to ask you, he has been in the news. You guys, I was watching a very interesting Twitter battle uh, between you and Andrew Gillum. I was curious, I, I never saw where that fell off because you did, you came on our podcast a few years ago. You said, this is the guy, he'll make a great governor. And uh, I have seen you say on Twitter that you made a mistake. Did you make a mistake? And what happened between you two? Well, I made a gigantic mistake because, you know, I, I didn't know who he was. And I was excited at the time because I thought, what a, what a wonderful thing to have this articulate, 
smart, handsome candidate who happens to be African-American in a Southern state. What a wonderful idea for Florida. And what happened was I didn't really back anybody in the, in the primary. Uh, I'm friendly. I'm more friendly with Phil Levine than any of them. But what happened was we raised him a lot of money. We raised him a whole bunch of money and we kept raising money and kept raising money. We got up to like a million seven. And then he calls the right at the very end and says, I need $250,000 more. And he was so close. I was like, why not? And as I said, the 250, when the election was over, what we realized is number one, that he never spent the money. He took the money that he said he desperately needed for a last minute buy, but he never used it. And then one of the excuses he gave me was when I asked for, when I asked for it, I wasn't allowed to use it when I asked for it. And, and so my response was twofold. One, if you didn't use it, give it back. And if you couldn't use it, definitely give it back. And he decided, and he was going to go out and register 2 million. Remember that promise? 2 million new voters. And he, he used the money on his legal and himself and traveling around and getting into all sorts of trouble. And at the end of the day, you know, the guy has had a meltdown down there in Miami and I feel sorry for him because I, ha I have a real good idea of what's really going on with Andrew Gillum. And what I would say to Andrew Gillum is until he decides to be true to who he is and what he is, that he'll never find peace. You know, he's saying that that he's an alcoholic. That guy's not an alcoholic. That, that's that 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 whole hotel scene was not about mm. having Coors lights. Yeah, and I mean, he's come out and said some other things since then. But you you guys haven't had any sort of a conversation or anybody reached out to anybody. You know, I really, you know, I mean, it's like when somebody is that. I mean, what else can I do to him? I mean, you know, dig up the, dig up the grave and, and, and desecrate the corpse. I mean, dead is dead. And yeah, I'd like to get the money back. And I told him, I said, Andrew, take the money. It was like $3 million. I said, take the money and pay off these felons fines with me and Desmond. Let's, let's start at the bottom and whittle our way up and register and register hundreds of thousands of voters. Mm -hmm. Crickets. He he wants the money from he wants the money for himself. Uh, I mean, it's it's that simple. And so, it'd be like if if you two if if you all gave me ten thousand dollars to build you a a pool, and I just took the money and you didn't get a pool, you're pissed. Yeah, that, that, but that happens a lot, a lot in the contracting world. So, you know. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It really does. It's, yeah. And you're just the guy to take care of that, aren't you, John Morgan? We have taken care of that. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh my goodness. I, I just, you know, I, I appreciate you being so candid about that, but then does it make you hesitant if someone comes along in the future? Because how do you know some people will present their best self out there, right? If they have demons, they're really desperately trying to hide. What happens to the next young, bright, smart, handsome, articulate candidate who comes forward for some position in the state of Florida that you are looking at that, you know, does that obviously make you more hesitant? And what questions do you wish you had asked Andrew Gillum about himself before backing him? Well, there's really no questions I could have asked him uh, because, you know, I mean, I heard rumors, but there's rumors about all of us. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, you know, we know what rumors are. And so I, I, I couldn't ask him. And by the way, the rumors I was hearing, I didn't really care about. And so I don't think there's anything I could have done. Um, I've been pleasantly surprised with uh, DeSantis as opposed to how Rick Scott governed the state. So I'm not that unhappy. Um, And, you know, DeSantis dismissed my lawsuit against the state. We settled it right here in, in Winter Park, but it will not change me. Look, there's been times in my life, once upon a time, I gave this one guy here in town a whole bunch of money to build a a medical clinic and we actually built it we had rooms and everything like this and and he started commingling money and he started you know I, I don't know what all he did with it but he started and then it was a flop and I put in a whole bunch of money well that's not going to stop me from giving to the next person but just because one person turned out to be a crook or incompetent. I mean, if I do that, uh, and I, and like I said, I, I believe that if you have resources, especially resources you don't need, um, you know, I've, I've been to a lot of funerals in my life and, and I've never been to one where there was a U-Haul tied up to the back of the hearse. I mean, no matter who you are, you. <laughs> no matter who, no matter who you are, you know it's it's important for me that my children and grandchildren are set up. Uh, but after that, my wife and I have set up a, a foundation that will go on when we're dead, and our four children will manage it and. And they know what we like. We like food, water, shelter, medicine, clothing. And that's the, you know, that'll be, you know, things like the mustard seed here in town, uh, things like second harvest and the Harbor house. And those are the things that, that touch me. I'm not a, I'm not a Dr. Phillips, uh, donor type. I don't, you know, with all due respect to the ballet and, and opera, I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather go to the barn in Sanford than, than to go to. Uh, <laughs> they don't the have ballet. Jack Daniels at uh, the Dr. Phillips Center, do they? Maker's Mark. But, but, <laughs> but everywhere, and listen, if I'm going there, they got to, if they don't carry makers, they have my makers. If I'm going there, I, I'm, there's Maker's Mark there. But, uh, but so I'm not that kind of, I'm not that kind of donor. I'm a donor 
who thinks about my family when we were little and what would have been big for us and then and then I do that so you know your 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 life experiences really make who you are at the end and and you can't ever get away from what you've experienced because it's with you forever for better or for worse and and like I said and by the way as tough as my childhood was when I look back, I mean, I had the time of my life. I mean, I, I don't, I, want, I don't want to think people think I'm, you know, Angela's ashes. I mean, I was playing, you know, little league, I had a paper out, I always had money. I mean, you just figure out uh, how to survive and, and, and be happy and work. Yeah. yeah. I, I, but it's so incredible. And it's so incredibly important for people to hear that, you know, as successful as you are and have been that you have not forgotten where you come from, because it's so easy for people just to run away from, you know, I had a, a my childhood wasn't this or whatever, and just kind of, you know, just lavish, spend the money on lavish things for themselves. But you're really trying to help the average person on the street. You know, you're not a Dr. Phillips donor, as you said, but we all can't go to the arts. You know, people just need to have a house to live in first. Right. I mean, do you know how many children in Florida go to bed hungry at night? One out of six. Children. And when you think of it, when you hear that number, it should just make you want to run out and run straight down to the second harvest with food or money. But it's it's much easier never to go down Mercy Drive yeah. and go down and look at it because we don't like to see it. When you when you when you look this way, you don't have to see it. But when you look this way, you have to face it. And if you face it and don't feel for those people, then you, you may just be missing an empathy chip or, mm. uh, you know, every, there's, there's so many, we all live in this huge jungle and there's so many different types of animals that there's no, there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's good that you give back and uh, obviously you, you give to a lot of different sources. Um, oh, one thing, one last thing, I, I, we could ask you questions literally all day, but I'm going to, I'm going to start to, I'm going to start to bring this train home, John, Morgan, all right. because uh, I'm sure you want to hit the beach today. So, <laughs> or you've got zoom meetings or something, but I, we heard a lot about during uh, the Obama campaign, during the Clinton campaign, they were coming to your houses, you were doing dinners. I know it's a different situation situation from the pandemic. I never heard much about you and your support for Joe Biden. Um, where were you at with that? What, what's the what's the story with the uh, with that? Wow, Matt's sounding a little nosy, but go on. No, oh, I'm very nosy. Well, with Joe Biden, with Joe Biden, I've been very close to him forever and ever. When the final tallies come out of who raised money for Joe Biden, if if I'm not one of the top five in the country, I'll be very surprised. Last week here at the beach, I had his brother Frank Biden in for lunch. We're close as well. I served him Chick-fil-A and waffle fries. And, <laughs> and, make uh, and you know, Frank doesn't drink anymore. He, Frank hadn't drank for 23 years. But, uh, but so I've been, I'm very close to Joe Biden. We had, a, we had a fundraiser at my house last May. We raised a whole bunch of money then. We continue to raise a whole bunch of money. 
throughout it. And he's a guy that, I've, like I said, I've known a long, long time. I met him through Ted Kennedy, who I became real close with, <clears throat> my son worked for. And uh, he's just one of the most decent human beings that I've ever met in my life. He's had incredible suffering. He's handled it with grace. He believes in God. He's a spiritual person. And he's just a great man of character. So uh, I spoke to his brother, Frank, this morning. I spoke to Chris Dodd, his best friend, last night. So in the Biden world, I consider myself a very close friend to, to Biden world and to, particularly to Joe Biden. His, his German Shepherds, by the way, his dog, Champ, looks just like my dog, Emma. And we would love to, we were, we're sorry that in life that we were never able to, to, to make Champ and Emma because that would have been the most beautiful German Shepherd in the United States of America. Okay, that was, dog, that, was the, that was the most random fact I've ever heard, that you want your German Shepherd to mate with Joe Biden's German Shepherd. The problem is Emma has, was neutered early, so, that, so Emma's kind of, I'd have to undo Emma's, but, but if you look at Emma and you look at Champ, I mean, they are from the same... Same they're beautiful. Blood. Yeah, they're, beautiful. they're both beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. That is great. Now, sometimes you'll see the picture of Emma on the bus going by. I'm like, oh, there she is. There so. she is. She's nobody in this world has ever loved me like Emma. Maybe my grandmother. Maybe my grandmother or Emma. Those two. I've also, sometimes I look at Emma and I'm not sure about reincarnation, but sometimes I'm looking at him and I'm going, are you my grandmother? Have you come back? Cause you're, you love me so much. You must be my grandmother. And she looks at me almost like maybe yes. <laughs> oh, you know what? People are going to think that's crazy, but I believe you 100%. Honest I'm to God, you, you look in, look in the eyes. It's the eyes, right? You look the eyes. <laughs> it's the eyes. Oh, you just tapped it's, into yeah. Ginger's soul. With that. <laughs> He's she looking talks right about in stuff it. like that all the time. I, I agree with Ginger. I believe that dogs have souls, and I believe that dogs are old souls. And when mm -hmm. I look at Emma, because my grandmother died before Emma was born, and uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not obviously certain, but when I look at Emma and she looks at me, there's an incredible connection. Oh my no, gosh! You're never that gonna just get made that me happy. A, you're never going to get that in a television news interview, folks. That is only <laughs> happening right here, Florida's fourth estate. Oh my God! I love it. I love it. What a great state. way to end it. That just—I am going to be on cloud nine all day because you say that out loud and people are like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "I know exactly what he's talking about." <laughs> if there's, if there's, there's, like, oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. I was going to say, if there's no dogs in heaven, there's no heaven. Uh, correct. And, you know, so. Thank you so much for spending time with us. And thank you for being a All champion, right. especially for the people who are appreciative of that minimum wage issue. And I know there are a lot of them out there. Thank All you right. very much. Yeah. Great having you, John Morgan. This has been another edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Peace. Peace. <laughs>